This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. and welcome to Phoenix and Filippo Pop Culture Chaos. We are your daily dose of everything geeky, nerdy, everything from movies, TV, video games, comic books, and more. And today being Wednesday, September 22nd, it is a video game Wednesday. So everything we're talking about is all about video games, including the nerd news, which kicks off this show each and every day. So let's go ahead and get into that segment here with the nerd news. Well, Star Wars Hunters, the free-to-play mobile game coming to Nintendo Switch and mobile devices, has released a new cinematic trailer that shows off a number of the game's playable characters, including a very unlikely duo. Star Wars Hunters has remained further off-radar than even the Dagobah system since its initial announcement as part of the February 2021 Nintendo Direct. With very few details shared at the Nintendo event aside from a short teaser trailer and the game's logo, Fans' first real look at the title came during the release of its recent cinematic trailer and shows off a number of characters in the game. So with that being said, let's go ahead and watch that trailer now.
No kidding, it ought to be good. It looks fantastic. Well, moving on in the nerd news, the Nintendo Switch can now be paired with a Bluetooth audio device following the latest firmware update. Starting last week, Switch owners who update their Switch to the latest software can pair a wireless Bluetooth device to the Switch, something the Switch was apparently able to do this entire time given the right software patch. To do so, Switch owners must download the latest firmware patch. From there, they can find a Bluetooth audio option within the System Settings page. Once you select Pair, the Switch will search for an available Bluetooth audio device and connect to one when found. The Switch can only be synced to one audio device at a time, but can save up to 10 devices on the system, which is great news if you use earbuds or wireless headphones. Moving on, Digital Eclipse wants to revive Marvel vs. Capcom 2 with a remaster, and the studio head says discussions about the project have begun. In an interview with GamerHub TV on YouTube, Digital Eclipse's Mike Mika said both Disney and Capcom have been approached about the idea. We've begun some discussions on that right now, and we're trying to see how far we can go. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's really not up to us, Mika said. So all we can do is just make the best case possible and try to make it easy for them and see if they're interested. In 2009, Digital Eclipse, called Backbone Entertainment at the time, released a port of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on the PS3 and Xbox 360 digital storefronts. The game was pulled at the end of 2013 after Capcom's license to use Marvel's characters expired. Earlier this summer, the hashtag FreeMVC2 campaign exploded in an effort from fans to try and make the game more easily accessible. Since becoming Digital Eclipse in 2015, the studios become known for remastering classic games. Digital Eclipse has worked on collections for Mega Man, Street Fighter, SNK, Disney, and more. So there's certainly hope there if you're a fan of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which may or may not come up again here later in the show. And then finally here in the near news, it appears that a remake for Destroy All Humans 2 is real and in development. In a now-deleted tweet, PlayStation officially announced the Destroy All Humans 2. Reprobed, noting, the game will come to the PS5. A trailer was also shared in the tweet as well, but mentioned no release date. The end of the trailer also notes that THQ and Black Force Games are tied to the remake. The latter also developed the remake for the original Destroy All Humans. The tweet has since been deleted ahead of a planned THQ Nordic 10th anniversary livestream set for later this week, which I expect we will probably see that trailer and the official announcement come out then. Well, folks, that does do it for the near news. When we come back, we've got our daily deep dive with reviews of Marvel's Future Revolution. We've got uh, Tony reviewing Capcom Arcade Stadium. Our Retro Rewind is a game that I just mentioned, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. And of course, rounding out the day, we've got Collector Corner as we do each and every day. So stay tuned, enjoy the commercial break, and we will see you guys in just a few. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Loot Crate box. 
Wowzers! With crits starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! Welcome back, folks, to Phoenix and Filippo Pop Culture Chaos. Yes, we are here in the middle of Video Game Wednesday and uh, talking, you know, video games. We just got done with the nerd news. Now we're getting ready to head into our daily deep dive. A couple reviews for you today. So uh, let's go ahead and get on into it. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. First up in the daily deep dive <laughs> is... My review, yeah, you know, they got that big Lebowski uh, soundbite that, uh, you know, from the old show to the new show, looking for some new stuff to change it up a little bit. But uh, in any case, uh, my review is for a mobile game that recently came out called Marvel Future Revolution, which is Marvel's first open world action RPG mobile game. As a as a uh, sorry, as members of the Omega Flight team, players will work together to battle an onslaught of supervillains, confront their nefarious behaviors, and defend the universe. And uh, I gotta say, you know, aside from the whole getting it set up, because you know, you download the app, and then once you download the app, you have to basically download this massive game patch download that takes forever. I mean, I've got some really good internet here, and uh, it. Uh, it took a while, but once you get into it, the game itself is fantastic. Uh, the graphics are beautiful, especially for a mobile game. It is truly an open world, uh, you know, beat em up sort of along the lines of like X-Men Legends or Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh, my only qualm with it is playing it on my iPhone 11 Pro Max, which is the big screen. There's still so many buttons that all of the fighting buttons take up almost the entire right half of the screen, uh, which makes that a little difficult. However, if you could pair your Xbox controller to it or you got one of those controllers that basically plug into either side and then you could uh, you know, set up the buttons that way, I think the game would be nearly a perfect Marvel fighting game. Um, again, story mode, the, the, the controls are easy. Graphics are beautiful. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to play it yet, Tone, but uh, I would highly recommend downloading it, giving it time to download the patch. And really, you know, you can just sort of pick it up on the go or if you're on the pot and just, you know, need something to play for a little bit. <laughs> um, it, it's it's well worth it. And I'm a little surprised because, you know, you and I reviewed uh, the trailer for Marvel Midnight Suns on Proton Pack a couple weeks ago, which the trailer, the cinematic trailer looked awesome. But when they revealed the gameplay, the gameplay is so basic. You know, the graphics were sort of meh. And it's a turn-based RPG game, which, you know, is really sort of more relegated for mobile, not a console game that that's going to be on. Whereas this is the complete opposite. It's truly open world. You know, you've got, uh, you can change your camera angles. You've got all sorts of attacks. Um, and it is, it's really, really a cool game. Um, and I didn't give you a chance to answer, Tone, but I don't know. Uh, did you at least download it yet? Nope, never played it, man. So it's, I would uh, say, yeah, like, 
it, it's it looks good. I know, like with mobile games, my problem with them is I don't. You got to be somewhere where you got good phone service, or uh, you got to be connected to Wi-Fi. So, like you know, where I would normally get a chance to sit and play would be the uh, the airplane or something like that, and. Uh, Typically, I don't have connections, so a lot of the mobile games I don't really get into for whatever reason. Uh, but I do know Marvel puts out a lot of really good ones. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, haven't I really mean, got a chance to sit down and do it. So, yeah, Contest of Champions—that's a good fighting game. Uh, this one, I get the sense that you don't have to be connected to the internet at all times. Once you download the patch, it's it's there for you to play on the go, whether you're connected or not. Uh, the other nice thing is when you are downloading that giant update, you get this little like uh, 8-bit sort of uh, Star-Lord game that you get to play. And it's Star-Lord flying and, and shooting. It's almost sort of like, um, oh, not Galaga, but uh, what were the, the side-scroller shooting flying like, games where you're... Like R-Type? Yeah, exactly. Like you had R-Type, Flying Z, all kinds of stuff like yeah. that. And so it gives you something to do while you're waiting for the download to go through. But once the download goes through, it's it's well, well worth it. So, uh, Tony, I would say before you go to work, download it, let it do its thing, and then uh, give it a shot. Give it a chance to play. But right. uh, for me, on the deep dive review of Marvel Future Revolution, uh, I would give it a 9 out of 10, especially for a mobile, mobile game. All right. Well, I will check that one out. Um, I'll let you know. It sounds right up my alley. Um, definitely, Marvel games are typically really good. So, yeah, yeah, well worth checking out. Now, Tony, the game that you chose is a uh, actually a variety game, something that uh, we both downloaded on the Switch. Something that, uh, you know, goes back to our nostalgic love and it really goes back to the way that uh, we play video games in just short little bursts. And so what we're talking about here is the Capcom Arcade Stadium. Tony, go ahead and give your review and then, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so Capcom Arts Arcade Stadium is something that dropped for the Nintendo Switch back in about February or March, they got a little bit of a head start. Um, and it's a classics of uh, games from the 80s all the way to the 90s. So it's a nostalgic infused game and Capcom has a lot of great titles that uh, you might want to go back and play if you grew up with them or if you're new. The graphics might not be quite up your alley um, as they appeal to more people our age. Um, um, it's available for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One. It's on Steam. Uh, you have 32 different uh, arcade titles and, uh, you know, some of the big games on there. Um, you know, I'm just going to read out the big ones that might be appealing because there's a lot of no-name games that you might... Obscure games would be the what I would look for. But uh, I would say, you know, your big ones is you got 1942, 1943, which are the, the airplane shoot 'em up games. You got Commando, Ghost and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts. Section Z, which is the game I was thinking about for the uh, Star-Lord, where you're up and flying and shooting. Um, you've got uh, the one big game I really wanted to get this collection for was Strider. I loved playing Strider as a kid um, at Wong's Drug on Highway 50. Before it got tore down, I used to go in there and uh, while my mom would grocery shop. Well, I don't even know if that's really grocery because it was kind of just a drugstore. <laughs> so you kind of got just some stuff, but... 
Um, that's where I fell in love with Strider, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, Samurai Showdown. Those were the three arcades they had there. But Strider was a go-to for me and uh, loved it. Got it on the Sega Genesis. Enjoyed the hell out of it. But uh, this is the big one for me. It's got Bionic Commando, Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2, Final Fight is on there. Um Captain Commando, a lot of other games, but uh, 32 different games you can play. And what makes this different from other console versions of these games is you compete against uh, around the world. So if I wanted to play against you, we could do special challenges. You could compete against other points. Um, You know, there's a worldwide leaderboard. Um, So a lot of replayability to try to beat the scores. Um, There is... uh, you can unlock invincibility. So if some of these games you always wanted to play through and you couldn't like Strider or ghouls <laughs> and ghosts, limited amount of credits. Yes. Now you have invincibility. So you can play through, you can decorate your wallpaper as you play. You can get a good feel for the arcade. You can change the CR filters to feel just like it. There's a rewind feature. So games like ghouls and ghosts, ghosts and goblins, you don't have to start from the beginning. You just rewind where you just died kick it, and you can save and load whenever you want. So a lot of replayability. You could definitely beat it. And plus, these games are fun to just pick up, uh, play through, get a high score, kill a few minutes, um, some time. I really enjoy it. I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I absolutely love nostalgia. Now, the price tag for this game is $40. So um, with it being Capcom, I personally think it is worth the $40 download. Uh, These games are a lot of fun. But if you're not in any hurry, keep an eye out because uh, Capcom does tend to put their games on sale really cheap. So maybe watch for a sale and get it that way. Or if you're just curious to try, you can download. uh, It's uh, Ghost and Goblins for free and 1941, or is it 42? It's 42. 42, okay. So you get those games for free as a sample. So you can download Capcom Arcade Stadium for free and you get those games in there and uh, well worth it. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 because you got 32 games for $40. That's almost a little less under a dollar a game. Um, And the replayability is fantastic. You can play it in Japanese. You can play it in English. um, And there's a lot of hidden gems on there. And yeah, there are some crap-ass games on there. And it ranges everywhere from (laughs) 1984 to, uh, you know, the the late 90s. So um, highly, highly worth it, especially if you're a Street Fighter fan. I mean, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is on there. Just a fantastic game. Um, I would love it if down the line they added more games to it because there are a lot of games missing from the... uh, from this but uh hell the entire mega man collection i mean yeah you you don't have any of the mega man fighters and those were a couple of arcade games that were obscure um but definitely i'm a huge fan of capcom i typically love things that capcom does especially if it's nostalgia and they've done this right load times are great the fact you could take it on the go on the switch is fantastic now you can't get this in hard form so you're not gonna be able to get a disc or a little switch cartridge. It is download only, right. so uh, make sure you got some space. Doesn't take up a whole lot of space, um, but uh, you know what? Fantastic game. 
recommend it on all platforms. Couldn't say enough nice things about this. Yeah, I downloaded the free version. I got, you know, Ghosts and Goblins, or was it Ghouls and Ghosts? One of the two. And then uh, the 1942. And then as far as I understand, you can actually purchase the individual games. So if you just want one or two more, you can go through and buy those. I don't know exactly how much they are each, but um, I would say if you want to get the bulk of the games, just put down the 40 bucks, or like Tony said, wait until Capcom does a sale and uh, go from there. Well, folks, that does it for this segment in our daily deep dive. But uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking Retro Rewind again, going back to the idea of retro games that we love. And this is one you certainly won't want to miss. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to Phoenix and Filippo Pop Culture Chaos. Now, we are all over social media, with many of you watching us as we speak on Facebook Live or YouTube Live. Now, if you want to get a hold of me on social, I'm available at facebook.com forward slash Christian Phoenix Radio. That's Christian with a K, Phoenix with an F, radio, of course, with an R, or on Instagram and Twitter at Phoenix Media Radio. Tony is available at facebook.com forward slash Filippo 5381 or on Instagram at Tony.SanFilippo81. And that Facebook page is where Tony does all of his Filippo horrible reviews, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. And uh, as he sees new movies or TV shows, things like that, that's where he puts up those uh, reviews. All right, so we are into the third segment of the show, which is always our retro rewind. And uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So in this case, in our last segment uh, in our daily deep dive, we were talking uh, my review of Marvel Future Revolution. Tony did his review of Capcom Arcade Stadium. Well, you've got Marvel, you've got Capcom. If only they could join forces. Wait, they did many, many times. So, for instance, they started out with, uh, boy, I think it was X-Men versus Street Fighter. And then it was, uh, what, Marvel Superheroes. And then Marvel versus Capcom, which brings us to the video and the uh, game that we're talking about today, which is one of our favorites of all time. Yes, we're talking Marvel versus Capcom 2. Let's watch the intro here real quick. Capcom. Ready? Marvel vs. Capcom New Age of Heroes I, the uh, the intro to me was always was always a little on the uh, cheesy side. It always felt a little more like a game show than anything. But uh, the game itself was awesome. 
Came out in arcades in 2000. It received ports to the Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, Xbox, Xbox 360, uh, was on iOS. Uh, I still have the iOS version, which was a a tough one to play. But the game system was awesome. You know, it was the first of sort of this tag team thing where you picked, you know, a number of characters to play as, and then you could sort of switch out your characters. The lineup was huge. I mean, just on the Marvel side, you had Blackheart, Cable, Captain America, Colossus, Cyclops, Doctor Doom, Gambit, Hulk, Iceman, Iron Man, Juggernaut, Magneto, Marrow, Omega Red, Psylocke, Rogue, Sabretooth, Sentinel, Shumagorath, Silver Samurai, Spider-Man, Spiral, Storm, Thanos, Venom, War Machine, and then two versions of Wolverine. You had just as many characters on the Capcom side with Akuma, Amingo, Anna Karras, B.B. Hood, Cammy White, Captain Commando, Charlie Nash, Chun-Li, Dan Hibiki, Dalzim, Felicia, Guile, Hayato Kanzaki, Jill Valentine, Hayato! Jin Saitomi, Ken Masters, and Bison, Mega Man, Morgan, uh, Roll, Ruby Hart, Ryu, Sakura, Servbot, Sun Sun, Strider, Tron, and Zangief. Boy, that's a mouthful to say, especially on the Capcom Holy side. Holy crap, I can't believe you read all 56 of them. Jeez, I please. did. No. Yeah, I mean, read all 50. <laughs> and the, the, There's so many. The cool thing was that, you know, you didn't start out with all those characters. You had to earn them along the way, so it made the replay value that much better. Um, had so much fun with it. And then, Tony, I think you discovered later on that the actual disc versions of the game are not only hard to come by, but they're worth quite a bit of money, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. So I remember playing this for the first time at your house in 19, not 19. It was 2000. It, wasn't 90, it was it was it was 2000. Because uh, I just got the Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Yep. Yeah. I went over to your house and you had picked it up because um, you you were the only one I knew that had one. And I remember playing at your house and just what a game, man. It was so much fun. And then um, I ended up picking it up for the Dreamcast. And I same thing. I loved that you un- had to unlock the characters. Um, and then I ended up getting it for my PlayStation 2. When the Dreamcast died, they released it for the PS2 and we had it at Costco. I got it for $10 at Costco uh, during a clearance run. And... Uh, that game now if and i ended up selling mine for a hundred bucks um so i made a hundred it now goes for like 150 to 200 dollars just that just that game the the playstation 2 disc version so i did get a hundred for it so i made money off the deal i can't be mad Mm -hmm. but it was one of my it, it is probably if not top five favorite video games of all time it was my favorite of the versus series like of course i love marvel versus capcom 3 i love the original i loved x-men versus street fighter uh marvel versus street fighter marvel superheroes i loved all those games but this one had your 56 characters just massive just just the way you could get all your characters and they could do the triple attack and how easy it was to play you could be just a noob and and not know what the hell you're doing. It was a button masher. You just hit yeah. buttons and it did so much stuff and it was so cool. And it was the combos of characters. Like just because some of your characters looked really cool, it didn't mean that they portrayed very well. You know, right. like uh like what was some of your favorites uh, on the game? Like character. Oh, 
I always tried to get, you know, because you would do a three on three. So I tried to get a good mix of uh, distance attack character, close attack character and like a heavy. So I always almost always played on the Marvel side with the exception of Ryu, just because, you know, Ryu's kind of a classic on, on the Capcom. So Wolverine was always a staple in my arsenal. Um, usually it was uh, Cyclops or um, uh, Venom who had these really good long distance attacks. And then for distance, it was either Jugger or sorry, for the big bad, it was either Juggernaut or Hulk. And uh, I always thought that that was a good uh, combination. Now, uh, somebody I could always put in there was Cable. Cable Super was just massive. It was that giant gun with the big blast. Um, but I had so much fun with that game and, and really just trying to, you know, figure out, okay, you know, who's going to be the best matchup for who I'm facing against, whether it was online play, you know, you and I playing, or it was against the computer and uh, had so much fun with it. Now, did you have a, a, a team of go-tos that you went with? I did, yeah. You know, like a monster combo was like Iron Man, um, uh, Cable, and Gambit. Those three were really good. You also could take Trombone. Uh, she had that bitchin' one where if she'd hit you and her super move would be all those little Lego guys, the little serve bots. Yeah. And it'd be like a 57 to 60 hit combo when it hits you. So I loved having her in there for different attacks at times. Of course, loved Wolverine and Strider. Um and, uh, you know, B.B. Hood was another big one. Like, she's just this little girl in a little red riding hood thing, but she would kick little landmines at you. She had machine gun, and her super move would just kill you. So if you found, like, people with the biggest super moves and you could get a triple massive combo to finish them off, you could really do some damage. And the timing of when they would tag in their opponents were just crazy. Another big thing I liked about this game, too, was um, you would call in your your little extra guys, right? This That's right. Like, yeah. You you like so Arthur from Goals and Ghost was a wasn't playable in this game, but he was like you could call upon him to be like a special fourth attack. And um, I think they had Rogue would fly in and she could she could do a little damage. And so you had all these other Capcom characters that you couldn't play as but they'd come in and do stuff. And it was just what a flipping great game. This thing was, yeah. and uh, I loved it. And it's to this day, it still plays phenomenally, uh, phenomenally. Wow. Phenomenally. <laughs> I can't say the word, but it's phenomenal. Um, but uh, the one games I, the, I was disappointed when it came back out a few years ago. Well, now I'm thinking it's 10 years ago. Um, but it came out um, on the Xbox 360 and the uh, PlayStation 3. Um, or, and uh, the bad thing about that was everything was unlocked for you. Right so from the get-go. Everything exactly. was ready to go. Right from the get-go. Every level, everything was unlocked. So the replayability wasn't as good, I didn't think. Like Whereas the PlayStation 2, the original Xbox, and the Dreamcast versions you would go into the store and you would get your characters. And what was what you could do is like if you found Wolverine was in there and he was a thousand points, you would just back out and go back into the store and sometimes he'd be four hundred points. Like that was weird. It was a crapshoot, exactly. Change. Yeah. yeah. So but it was cool. 
And the only way to unlock your characters was you had to play through the game over and over and over <laughs> to get points. And you would unlock new costumes and new colors and things. Oh, it was great. It's such it was, a fun game. It was and so then- much better. Yeah, and as we mentioned at the top of the show in the Nerd News, we're getting closer to a re-release version of it, which I'm looking forward to. But regardless, you know, stay tuned here on the Phoenix and Filippo Pop Culture Chaos Show, and we'll let you know as soon as that information is released, because you know we're going to be picking up. Well, folks, that does it for this segment. When we come back, it's time for Collector Corner, and Tony's going to leave us uh, to uh, take off, but uh, we will have more show for you. Don't go anywhere. Let's go, Bob. Welcome back, folks, to the fourth and final segment of Phoenix and Filippo Pop Culture Chaos. Now, we are here on a video game Wednesday and remind wanted to remind everybody that uh, we are anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, about 20 in all. So, uh, you know, if you are looking for us somewhere other than Facebook or YouTube or the NGBN.TV app, just go anywhere you get podcasts and you can find this great show. Now, the other thing is that uh, at the end of each show, we like to put out our daily Instagram story poll which gives you guys the opportunity to vote on one choice or the other. And uh, your vote gets you into an entry to win a Loot Loot Crate subscription box at the end of the month. And uh, always comes with some great mystery things, whether it's movie, TVs, uh, video games, horror. It's a mystery. But there's some great stuff. And t-shirts are one of the big things that they uh, tend to put in there. But today's uh, Instagram story poll is... As we were talking earlier, Marvel versus Capcom fighters. So again, we're talking video games today. So do you prefer the Marvel fighters like Marvel superheroes, the Capcom fighters like Street Fighter, or you know where they match up and, and you know like Marvel versus Capcom two? Who do you prefer to play as? You can enter once a day. So when you vote, your entry goes in. So if you vote every day, you have that many entries. Well, in the fourth segment, as we like to do, uh, you know, call it Collector's Corner, where we talk about collectibles within the space of the day that we're talking about. And today is video games. Now, last week we talked about the most expensive video games ever sold at auction, which, uh, I mean, some big, I think, what, $2 million for a copy of Super Mario Brothers. Well, today's are a little bit different in that uh, we're looking at surprisingly valuable video games that you might have in your home right now, Um, whether it's something you put away in the basement or in the attic and, you know, you just never got around to looking at, these games may be worth some money. So let's go ahead and get into it. And uh, in this collector's corner, this very first uh, example actually fits very well with our soundbite, which is... Take my money. So the game we're talking about is for the Microsoft Xbox. It is Futurama, the video game manufactured by Vivendi Games, came out in 2003. Now, if you own an original Xbox, you should have a look for a copy of Futurama, the video game, while you're poking around. The game's relative rarity means collectors will pay a premium to get their hands on a copy, up to $150, in fact. 
Now the Sony PlayStation 2 version is worth even more. It can sell up to $260 on eBay. And we're talking about uh, auction sites like eBay and, and things along those lines where people are paying this sort of money. Moving on with our next one, also for the Microsoft Xbox, came out in 2006, as alluded in the name. It is Outrun 2006, coast to coast, made by Sega. Likewise, you might want to hunt through your games collection to check whether you have a copy of Outrun 2006. The perennially, perennially popular Sega racing game is prized by collectors, and your copy could net you up to $200. Not bad for a game that cost, what, 50 bucks originally? Moving on with our next one uh, for an old computer system that many people didn't have, especially if you live here in the U.S. We're talking about Black Lamp for the Sinclair ZX Spectrum made in 1988. A platform fantasy game set in the fictional kingdom of Allegoria, Black Lamp was released in 1988 by Firebird Software. The version for the ZX Spectrum computer, which sold like hotcakes in the UK, is now worth up to $270. Again, I don't know anybody who had that system, let alone that game, but if you have it, 270 bucks, not a bad deal. This next game is one that I did have in my collection. I was a big fan of the early RPGs in the 32-bit era, like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Well, this game was Sukoden from Konami, actually Sukoden 2, for the Sony PlayStation 1, came out in 1999. Reviews and sales for Sukaden 2 were dire following its release in 1999, and the role-playing game flopped big time, but the title is now regarded as a cult classic and one of the best role-playing games of the 32-bit era. Copies in decent condition are worth a pretty penny, and in some cases more than $200 each on the uh, leading auction sites. Complete copies in their box can sell for more than $300. Again, these are all games that you may have sitting in a box, your basement, attic somewhere. Who knows, but uh, might be worth going to look for. Now, this next game is for a system that I definitely have. I didn't have the game, but, uh, you know, for the most part, it was a huge, not the game, but the system was a huge hit for its time. We're talking Spelunker for the Commodore 64, released in 1983. Spelunker is a platform cave-themed game that was lauded by critics following its release in 1983. Having spawned several sequels across a variety of computers and consoles, the original Commodore 64 title is, a, is worth a tidy sum these days, in fact up to $300. And of course, if you have the box and the artwork and the instructions, who knows where that could go from there. Moving on is a GameCube game that I did not have. I had a GameCube, loved it, but uh, I can't even say I even saw this game on the shelves. It is Cubivore Survival of the Fittest from Atlas Games. Came out in 2002. This quirky Japanese action-adventure Nintendo GameCube game, which features bizarre geometric characters, is coveted by gamers despite its fairly simple graphics and gameplay. Today, a copy in good condition can sell for more than $340 on the auction sites. So uh, yeah, if you happen to pick this up for your kids, have it sitting around somewhere, might be worth a pretty penny. Moving on with the next one uh, is a game from Capcom, obviously capitalizing on the success of their Resident Evil series. This game is Haunting Ground for the Sony PlayStation 2, came out in 2005. Not for the faint-hearted, Haunting Ground is a survival horror title that follows a young woman who wakes up in a creepy dungeon after a car accident. Copies are somewhat few and far between. Obviously, the game didn't sell well. 
and complete copies in good condition can go for up to $370 a piece on platforms like eBay. So, uh, you know, I remember seeing it on the shelves, never picked it up, but uh, kind of kicking myself for not doing that. This next game is for the Nintendo DS, very much in the vein of uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, you know, basically these games where you're building on platforms. This one may have even predated Animal Crossing. It is Shepherd's Crossing 2. Came out in 2010. Copies of this farm-based simulation game, which features Japanese anime-esque graphics, are reasonably thin on the ground these days and highly desirable among collectors who will pay around $390 for a complete collection. And again, these are one of those games that if you are in a thrift store, a uh, flea market, a uh, pawn shop, that you may just sort of naturally pass over because it's not everybody's cup of tea. But if you come across it, definitely pick it up. Next game up on our list is a game for the Microsoft Xbox that uh, came in a huge uh, hardware pack that I never knew anybody who had one. And uh, I can obviously see why. It is Steel Battalion from Capcom. Came out in 2002. It's one of the rarest Xbox games. Uh, Steel Battalion is a collector's favorite. The original release was, uh, was restricted to just 2,000 copies and came with a gigantic controller with two joysticks, copious buttons, switches, and levers. If you're fortunate enough to own one, you'll be pleased to know that it's worth up to $400 today. And I don't know many people who would have even held on to a peripheral like that because it was just so big. Next up on the list is a game for a system that was even before my time. I was two, two when it came out. But we're talking the ColecoVision uh, Motocross Racer and Tomark the Barbarian. Came out in 1983, this Xonix double pack for ColecoVision. The American console that sold 2 million units in the early 1980s is, is highly rated by collectors. Playable copies command lucrative prices, with the best condition specimens going for up to $750 at auction. So that's a big jump from Xbox Steel Battalion up to a 1983 ColecoVision game that uh, I can't even imagine most people have around anymore, but if you do, almost 800 bucks. Next up on our list is a game for the Sony PlayStation 2. Not familiar with it myself. It's called Kwon, K-U-O-N. Another survival horror game for the PlayStation 2, which is set in a mansion in ancient Kyoto, received mediocre reviews and as a consequence was released in limited quantities outside of Japan. These days, collectors will pay from about $450 to $780 to get a hold of a North American or European copy. And of course, the North American European copies were different from the Japanese copies in the types of systems that they played in. So, uh, you know, if you were lucky enough to have it, definitely take a look into it. Next up is a Sega Master System game. Again, a little before my time, I had an NES and then moved on to the Genesis from there. But the game is James Buster Douglas Knockout Boxing, came out in 1990 and is inspired by the underdog fighter who floored Mike Tyson in 1990 and stole his heavyweight crown. James Buster Douglas Knockout Boxing is a nifty side-scrolling boxing game, which you don't get very much in boxing games. The Sega Master System title is most valuable. Copies in good condition sell for up to $900 each on eBay and similar auction sites. And then finally here on this Video Game Wednesday, 
A game for the Atari 5200, a system that I did have, was Bounty Bob Strikes Back, came out in 1984. The rarest and most technically unique Atari 5200 game, Bounty Bob Strikes Back is the sequel to the classic Minor 2049er and is notable for boasting 25 levels, which was a big deal back in 1984. Today, collectors will part with up to $900 to acquire a copy of the game. Again, if you have it with the box, it could be worth even more than that. But folks, that does it for today's show. On this Video Game Wednesday, we will be back tomorrow with uh, Comic Book Thursday. So if you're into comic books, collecting, taking a look back at uh, you know some collector's items, we definitely invite you to join us then. In the meantime, enjoy your Wednesday, and we will see you all tomorrow.